0: Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant.
1: Total fucking bullshit. Bullshit. This makes no fucking
0: sense. I mean,
1: it's just bullshit. Fuck. Bullshit. This is
0: bullshit.
1: I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I must... As hell, I'm
0: not take this anymore. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter Raymondo Q Harris. Here, here. Oh, uh, thank you how for are the you, emotion? my good fellow. Hail
1: and well met, uh, good fellow. Right. <laughs> I am currently not high and therefore not happy. <laughs> but you do what you gotta do, right? You don't want to hear me talking about Ukraine. Well, under the influence. You might not want to hear me talking about it at all, but certainly not. Because I'll be like, why can't everybody just hug and out, just love each other, you know, yeah. just hug. That should right. be the
0: solution is to get Zelensky and Putin in a room together.
1: Bake the their gourds. Right.
0: <laughs> my tip. Right?
1: And they can't come out. <laughs> right. Go ahead. My
0: tip. Lie back. Close your eyes. Put some headphones on. Listen to David Bowie's (laughs) Scary Monsters and Super Creeps album, 1980, uh, and just marvel at all the things that you can hear that you've never heard in the last 40 years you've been listening to
1: that album. Exactly. You're like, oh, my God, there's a cowbell. I never knew there was a cowbell in that track. (laughs) I cowbell. i got to order one. Amazon. Boom, cowbell, yeah. I like to do Rod uh, Stewart's greatest hits while... On, mm. You know, under the influence.
0: And I, I've I've heard that you strut around the house wearing just your wife front, singing "Do you think I'm sexy?" But uh, you know, yeah. I've seen. And no
1: one f- has answered me yet. <laughs> so, what's up with that? How many times <laughs> do I got to yell it? Do you think I'm sex? Anyway, I apologize. I'm sorry. All right, let's
0: talk about this uh, goddamn war. We were going to do a show last week, folks, but I got very sick with. Uh Some sort of tummy bug. The same one that had Fox in hospital Mm. on Christmas Day in the ER the whole day. I got it a couple of days later. Oh, my God. Right. But uh, here we are. We're doing one anyway. Look, uh, it's day 61. I think we're recording this on the 26th of April Australian time. 25th in uh, the land of uh, the the righteous White Hats. Um, Sounds right. The war is about 61 days in, I think. Mm -hmm. Still doesn't seem to be any closer to uh, a settlement, as far as I can tell. Right. Yeah. And... It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Yeah. you know the the U.S. and the EU and their allies, including Australia and Canada, etc., con- and 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 the UK, no longer part of the EU, are continuing yeah. to support Ukraine. And I use air quotes around that by giving them various kinds of military aid, billions and billions of right. dollars worth of military yes. aid.
1: Yes, I see a lot of a
0: um, lot of crowing and cheering and flag waving about that from. Certain uh, American uh, uh, Americans that I know on Facebook who will remain nameless, um, right, and Australians as well, and people in other places. Yeah, like send them more weapons, send them more advisors. We need to get involved, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not convinced right. that it's uh, we're doing the right thing. We're we're really helping here. The question, I guess, is mm-hmm. what what's the outcome that we want. I mean, why it's up to us, I don't know. But, um, you know, what is the... Well, I, I guess uh, the people who live in Ukraine, uh, um, well, obviously, there's people in Ukraine who uh, technically in the Donbass region that actually want independence, uh, want Russia to mm-hmm. win... Uh, there are people right. in Ukraine, the vast majority of the Ukrainians, I imagine, who don't want Russia to win. They want to maintain their, quote unquote, independence. Although I argue right. that since America effectively took over the government with two coups, the people <laughs> of Ukraine don't really have independence to begin with uh, because right. they have a government that was quasi installed by a foreign yeah. power certainly supported in getting and maintaining power by a foreign power um i'm not sure where you find independence in that so did you want to Well, that's jump true in
1: but um i having your government taken over by a coup from an outside force is one thing and that's bad and you don't have your freedom of choice and all that good stuff i get that but that's a hell of a lot better than being invaded, uh, citizens being killed, bombs being dropped, probably on purpose on civilian targets to create mayhem. So I, the whole thing's fucked up. So I wanted to take your premise. Like, where, where is this going to go? Like, what 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 does the people outside of Ukraine, how would they like to see this end? And I would like to graft my um, question onto that if I could. And that's literally, and I'll keep this short and sweet. So Putin is riding around on his horse, shirtless obviously and he's given this a long long think and everything that's happened in the last 61 days i don't think he expected it the world has come together like you said billions of dollars of weapons are flowing into ukraine this should have been over like seven to ten days after after it started i think maybe that's what putin was thinking at smash and grab uh so what happens now when the world is pretty much turning against you uh you, you've become a pariah as far as the international community is concerned so not only do the question your question and biden said today we want to keep russia he said something like we want to keep russia weak or i can't remember the exact word so so it's fairly obvious what america wants but what is what is putin thinking now is like i had a plan the plan went to shit what do we do now Come on, can we and back up i don't think anybody's got an answer well,
0: yeah can please. We back up here like i i find it hard to believe this whole narrative that you're mm-hmm. repeating and that uh, you know you hear Right across sure. the Western media spectrum is that Putin's yeah. failed, Putin's failing. And we've been hearing it for 61 days now, yeah, by the way. It's like, yes. oh, they fail. They're screwing it up. Look at that. It's going really badly. It's a disaster. It's an embarrassment for Putin. Um, if it's such an embarrassment and a disaster, why do we have to keep sending Ukraine billions and billions of dollars yeah. of weapons and yeah. Uh, uh, other forms of materiel support?
1: No, that's a good question. And I I wouldn't take it that far. I wouldn't say that the Russians are... uh, I'm just saying I think it's off of Putin's timetable. Well, let me me just give you a quick list um, that probably shouldn't have happened or wouldn't have happened if... If the Russian forces had been able to go in there, grab everything, take the capital, take Zelensky or whatever, uh, and and put in their own government. So just real quick, in the last 61 days, as far as we know, 15,000 Russian troops are dead. Several generals who know what they're doing and officers who have experience fighting are dead. You've got 19 and 21-year-old Russians running around without enough training, without enough equipment, without enough logistics, Um being defeated in the field um germany has pledged one billion dollars the americans are given billions of dollars poland's given jets um europe is not buying russian oil anymore i mean this is and and like at least four russian billionaires have died weird and strange circumstances in the last couple of weeks two of them along with their families uh the whole murder suicide thing kind of hard to believe but the point is There seems to be a lot going wrong for for Putin that I don't think he initially planned for. What do you do now? And I don't think there is some clever grand strategy that he can come up with at this point. I think he's just got to slug it out. Maybe something can happen at the peace table uh, talks. I don't know. But uh, I don't think he pictured, hey, I'm going to start a war, hopefully to be over within about a year. You, You don't do that. I think he was thinking this would be a lot shorter. What do you do? What does he do now is my question.
0: Yeah. See, again, I don't. I, I I can't make sense of that narrative. Okay, let, let's role play this because that's the way that real truth okay. is determined by it's by role playing. We know that it's the only Absolutely. way that we ever yeah. really know close what on, really happened close off. in history. Ah, uh, close on for now because um, I don't want right. to. I don't want to giggle all the way through this.
1: Let's. Look, let's. This is my Zelensky shirt. Do you recognize it?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I sh- when
1: you came on the camera, I was like, eh, President <laughs> Zelensky,
0: is that you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone I, I see minded. wearing, go you know, a uh, uh, khaki green, green, I immediately think, right, photo op. Yeah. Um so let's right. uh <laughs> so,
1: sorry, go ahead. Let's role play this. <laughs> so, uh,
0: let's go back in time. It's yeah. let's go back in time 90 days. It's about a month before the invasion. All right. You and I yes. are sitting in the yes. Kremlin. Uh I'll, right. I'll play the role of President Vladimir V Putin. You you play Please. Will you get you play one of my yeah. top generals?
1: Um, General, because um, you got
0: Har- Harris, Harashinsky. Uh,
1: Harashinsky. There, yeah, I like that. I won't be able to say it, but I like Haraschenski, Mister Haraschenski, welcome Harashinsky. to the room. Yes. Okay, so uh, we got uh, Mister
0: uh, yes. uh, General, uh, my, my, my beloved yeah. General, come to me. Uh, keep your distance. Yes. I don't trust anyone to get too close to me. Um, General General uh, Yes. You know we uh, we may have to invade Ukraine know, I, I hope it doesn't mm-hmm. come to that I'm hoping to put pressure on Ukraine and and western countries to get them to right. stop NATO expansion but uh, we've been trying this for 30 years we got we, we get nowhere uh time maybe this time they will listen but I I do not think so so right we uh, we, we you know we may have to invade Ukraine um general yeah. hadishinsky uh Let's talk through scenario of what might happen if we invade. Uh, we, we know okay, that sure, uh, sure. Ukraine Ukraine is a big country. We know this because it used to be our country. And uh, we know that they have lots of weapons. We know because we gave them the weapons. We sold them the weapons. We know that right. they have a big yes. army, hundreds of thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands more that they can call upon, uh, you know, if, if, yes. if shit hits a fan. Um, <laughs> very big army. Uh, A fairly well-equipped army. We know this because we know the Americans have uh, been giving them billions of weapons even before we invade. America's been giving them billions in the last five, six years since they took over the government in 2014. Um, right. what do you, General Harashinsky, what, what do you think is going to happen if, if we have to invade? Uh, what, what is uh primary, yeah. primary military strategy and scenario, General Harashinsky?
1: Okay. President Comrade, we are at a fork in the road. We attack, things go well, we smash, we grab, we put on our own government, everything's fine. We push the borders of NATO further away from Moscow. And I know, sir, that is the one thing that you are absolutely obsessed with and you should be you can't trust NATO NATO's very intention is to defeat you stop Get stop, that. stop, stop I, um, stop stop yes, ob uh,
0: yes, my, my, my good yes. comrade, Harashinsky. I, I I am very troubled by by the fact that you have right. American accents you, you're supposed to be top Russian oh, general oh. you sound like oh, Americano. Oh. are
1: you are you uh, uh, do I do I have to have you uh poisoned general no, Harashinsky. No, 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 no. my I've been training because I'm going to go undercover oh, in Arkansas. Oh, I see. Arkansas. Very clever. <laughs> so I think they keep all their secrets in Arkansas. Uh, if you watch the Ozarks, I, I, I make, I'm making this up. So no, seriously, though, we either go in and it's a successful and we get everything we want or we go in and we don't. And then the international community lines up against us in whatever degree. They start sending them weapons. But here's the biggest thing that Putin needs to worry about, and it's already happening. Uh, you, you're Putin. Uh, Sweden and Finland are now talking about joining NATO. So we went from let's have a war to push NATO further away from us to NATO might a- anyway end up on our borders. So, uh, two ways to go if we go to war, two things could possibly happen. And eh, I don't like it, but you say the word, um, big chief. Big chief, horse riding, shirtless man, and I will do it because that is what the army does. We serve at the uh, the pleasure of the civilians. But it's I don't know. It's really getting fucked up for Russia. Okay, uh, this isn't really Putin's got to be stressed. This isn't going as well no, as no, I I'm thought. No, I'm
0: done.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not acting. I apologize.
0: I should have sent you the script. Um, look, here's my point. Yes. Putin yes. and his military strategists, when they're sitting around talking yes. about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think Putin's stupid. Uh, I don't think Putin's insane. No. So I, I agree. Um, I, I think they're sitting around. I don't think they sat around and went, this will all be over in seven days. I I, I, okay. I mean, it'll be lovely. You know, I, I'd like to wake right, up. Right. You know, I, I, I go to sleep every night believing that there is a chance that I'm going to wake up with a dozen 18-year-old you know, uh, French flight attendants, right. uh, sucking my dick oh, when I wake best. up. I mean, I oh, know it's theoretically it's possible. It
1: could happen. It is. I yes. mean, it's not yes. beyond the laws yes. of physics that yeah. that could happen. Yeah. And you say, and you say your prayer every night. I so don't <laughs> you in front of part. Chrissy, which dear, you know, never really God, goes well. Dear mom and papa Jesus, please let me get 18 year old. Now, anyway, so I'm sorry. It must be an awkward <laughs> moment for you right before you go to bed.
0: Um, So uh, I don't think Putin thought it was going to be over quickly because he's up against a mate. Look, You know, you're going into a country with a very large fighting force available to it (laughs) Yes, that's been, you know, uh, uh, sold a whole bunch of weapons. I mean, there's a lot of talk in the media about how they were using, the the Ukrainians are using Soviet-era weapons, so they need Soviet ammunition and these sorts of things. But they've received billions in military funding from the U.S. pre-the invasion since 2014. Um, You know, and and so he knows that he's going up against a formidable fighting force. Uh, Mm -hmm. He knows that the U.S. and the West are going to throw even further sanctions against him. That's not a surprise. He knows that's going to happen. Right. He knows... Yes. That the the West is going to line up behind Ukraine if he invades and give them more support and more weapons and try and drag this thing out. This guy, we know from his speeches, uh, he knows history. He's not a Bush or right. a Biden or a Trump. Um, exactly. He's not people that get their their uh, European history, their global history, off the back of a cornflakes packet. I mean, this guy, right? This guy knows his history. And, you know, and and I will continue to fight for this. The speech that he gave before he invaded uh, and the Western media, and we've talked about this on the show, the Western media and a lot of people I saw on social media were like, Putin's just making shit up, Putin's this, Putin's that, Putin doesn't understand, it's it's all blah, blah. And I keep saying, show me, show me the, you know, and I've said this to historians on Facebook, show me the lines in his speech which are historically and factually incorrect. And mm-hmm. talking, not talking about, well, like, Nazis are running Ukraine or whatever. He, he, right. You know, because, like, there's a lot of stuff in there, to unpick. pick. But I'm talking about the, the, the formation of Ukraine as a country during the Russian Empire or, but, you know, and, 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 and during the, the Soviet period and all that kind of stuff. Like, his mm-hmm. his timeline, as far as I can tell, was pretty much 100%. So he knows his history, this guy. Um, I don't think he's a George right. H. Uh, George W. Bush going into Afghanistan and saying, know, yeah, it'll all be over in seven days." I, I think that mm-hmm. Americans, when they say, like the Western media and the Americans in particular, when they say all this kind of stuff, are, are uh, a making it up. B, they're, they're projecting what Americans do onto Putin. I don't, I don't think Putin thought this was going to be. I mean, he hopefully, yeah, I'm sure he thought hopefully this would go really well. And maybe it has right. and maybe it hasn't. But, uh, you know, he's... Anyway, I, I don't I don't think this narrative that he thought it was all going to be over really quickly and it's not, and it hasn't been, so therefore it's a complete failure, h- holds any water. It just doesn't make any sense to me that right. he, he would right. be that naive and stupid. This guy's been running Russia for better part of 25 20. years. He's a yes. former KGB guy. Uh, he knows his history... He's as tough as nails. And this, is, uh, and this is not his first war. This is not his first so. war, exactly. And, and yeah. you know, and he's watched all the other wars go on. So I don't think he thought it was going to be over quickly. I think um, his strategy may, and this is what John Mearsheimer and Scott Ritter, uh, you know, Scott Ritter has been saying this for the last couple of months. Um, uh, mm. Now, you, you remember Scott Ritter? We talked about him on this show. Have we done this since I read the Ritter stuff? I don't know. I don't Scott Ritter was a uh, he's an American, he was an Iraqi uh, UN weapons inspector uh, pre the Iraq invasion mm-hmm. 2003. Um, he uh, very, very publicly, very vocally before the US invasion in 2003, uh, illegal US invasion, by the way, just to remind people. He very publicly said, are. Saddam doesn't have doesn't have weapons of mass destruction. We know this for right. a fact because we've been tracking, we've been monitoring, we've been, uh, you know, mm. Scott had been there for years uh, doing the tours of the sites and all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> uh, he got completely, Scott Ritter, this is, got completely character destroyed by the US government. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously turned out he was right. He mm-hmm. some uh, he's had some issues. He got busted for in, in recent years for um, pedophilia type stuff, online grooming mm-hmm. of underage women. It looks to me like a Julian Assange uh, yeah. honey smear pot bait smear operation um, right. But you know, I, I don't know enough about it. But just when you have him, you know, he's denied the allegations. Uh, I think he did. He was part of a sting operation he got caught in. Um, but anyway, mm. bottom line is, leaving his uh, personal uh, life out of it, he is a bit of an expert, I think, on um, you know, US strategic and, and foreign strategic operations Anyway, his mm-hmm. uh, take on what Putin's been doing is, look, he went in with a um, thunder and lightning campaign at the beginning to disrupt Ukraine's economy, disrupt their military, hit them in several major cities, sweep, you know, lot of their armed forces over to Kharkiv and Kiev and other places that he's been attacking to keep them distracted while he was planning on taking the Mariupol corridor, uh, you know, building that corridor between Crimea and Donbass, which he seems to have done. Right. I mean, they've pretty much locked up that, that uh, bridge, the land bridge mm-hmm. between uh, Donbass and Crimea. So the Amer- so the Russians, sorry, can march pretty much freely now from Russia through Donbass down to Crimea and, and uh, the other way. So he seems to have accomplished that um, at the cost of, it would seem, tens of thousands of troops and lost equipment and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But there's no way he didn't go into this knowing that this was going to be tough and that the West was going to get involved and try and drag it out as long as possible. Because, you know, we know this about Russia's uh, invitation to invade Afghanistan in the late 70s, uh, he knows what we know. I mean, that the U.S. Yeah. deliberately, uh, strategically... Right. ...kept Russia there as long as possible by funding the Mujahideen, supporting, training, arming the Mujahideen to, you know, uh, weaken the Soviet Union. Um He must know, Putin this is, that America would try the same tactic this time around. Yes. uh, And that it it could drag out and become another 10-year... I mean, they've already been fighting in Donbass since 2014, so, you know, they've already been engaged sort of somewhat indirectly in that part of Ukraine for eight years. So, um, Mm yeah, yeah. I think, he, I think he knew exactly what he was going to be walking into with the sanctions. I think yes. he was prepared for that. I think he knew exactly what he was walking into in terms of how difficult this was going to be as a military operation, and they were prepared for that. Right. And the fact that the Western media seems to be trying really, really, really hard to push this narrative of it's a great disaster, I think is mm-hmm. um, kind of farcical, honestly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree that uh, Putin has certainly thought this through. Like you said, he's got a lot of experience. Uh, and he also understands the gamble that when it comes to actual fighting, I don't care what your plans are. War is fluid. You never know it's going to happen. So some things are going his way with the land bridge. Other things are not. Um, I don't know if he truly anticipated. I certainly didn't see it coming. Not not that I gave it a lot of thought. Not that I'm putting, but the the uh, world news or whatever the proper term is has decided to make Zelensky their darling. So now he is representing freedom all over the world. He's like the new Greeks. He's he's, he's You look at him and you're thinking he's trying to save his people. So um, the narrative is being changed. And you change narratives by lying. But if you lie enough, it becomes the truth. We're going to keep sending weapons to them. Uh, Zelensky is going to be the golden bull for boy, and maybe until he's killed or whatever. But I, I just have a problem with. I mean, the sanctions against Russia aren't going anywhere anytime soon, even if he pulled out right now. I. I, I I guess he's will again. You and I've had this conversation. Putin is doing what is best for himself and for Russia. He shouldn't trust NATO. He's trying to keep it away from from his border. I totally get that. But this is the longer this goes on, it's just costing him more money. He's losing more troops. More other of nations are ganging up against him. Maybe their participation becomes more active. I have no idea. But sending billions of dollars of weapons, um, that's a lot to fight against no matter how willing you are to lose man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I can't, I, you know, well, we can talk about how this is going to play out, but let's get back to what I was asking before. Is like, Yeah, uh, please. F- from a Western perspective, what should our objectives be? Uh, yeah. is, it, is our objective to bring the war to an end with as few deaths as possible? Or is it to bring it about be. the destruction of Russia? Or That's is it, it is. to do what is ever do whatever is necessary to keep Ukraine uh, f- from doing some sort of a settlement with Russia? Um, you know, maintaining ah, their "quote yes. unquote" independence. Although I caveat that yes. with saying they've already been taken over by a foreign power. Um, mm. You know, it's it's. I'm not sure what the the objectives are. You would imagine that our ultimate objective should be to uh, end the war with as few deaths as possible. Now, that would require should be. the West keeping out of it, apart from yes. urging a, a, a settlement, right?
1: Mediating, yeah, yeah. yeah. And both sides would have to sacrifice because when you have a compromise, both sides don't get what they want. But that's the definition of a compromise. You're right. That should be it. But let's be brutally honest here. Um, The United States in the form of Biden uh, and probably the Pentagon, they truly feel, as far as I can tell, that they can't trust Putin. He's going to be a bad actor as long as he's alive. So to end the war would be nice, but let's be honest, this is a golden opportunity. None of our people are dying and we can keep sending weapons and keep weakening and bleeding out Russia. It's it's kind of a hard opportunity to pass up. Brutal, but Real world politics. I don't think America is trying to end the war anytime soon. I think we're taking advantage of this. It won't be another Afghanistan, but it might be a mini version of Afghanistan. We're certainly going to do what we can, in my opinion, to keep that going.
0: Yeah, well, it's already been going on, in, as I said, in Donbass for yeah. eight years now. So can you hear yeah. me okay? I'm not getting any audio uh, thing on the VU meter in Squadcast.
1: Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you just fine.
0: It's weird uh, if this is recording or what's going on. God, I hope so. Yeah, well, I've got a backup recording that should uh, pick it up if the main one isn't, hopefully. Uh, Yeah, so it's... Yeah. uh, You know, I I do think that America's... um, Strategic objectives and the West's strategic objectives seem to be to drag this out as long as possible, which is just going to result in way more deaths uh, than right. would otherwise oh, be um, taken or cause. The, the, you know, if it's yeah. over quickly, it saves lives in the long run. Now, I mean, maybe people argue, well, you're not really saving them because Russia's going to come in and eat their babies, I don't know, but it's... Be the um, new master. Yeah, right.
1: uh,
0: And and let's talk about the sanctions. Um, Are the sanctions really hurting Russia, or are they just helping the USA and hurting Europeans?
1: Um, Yeah, that's... I don't honestly know. I read a quote
0: recently from Newsweek back in early March. It said... um, how effective the sanctions will be is unclear. Putin, for his part, believes he has effectively made his country sanctions-proof. Russia has over mm. $630 billion in hard currency reserves and rakes in $14 billion per month in its oil and gas exports. As Russia's ambassador Damn. to Sweden, Viktor Tatarintsev told Swedish newspaper Bladet days before the invasion began, when the West ramped up threats of financial penalties in a futile effort to prevent military action. Excuse my language, but we don't give a shit about your sanctions.
1: (laughs) And that's true. I mean, Putin, who's got a couple hundred billion stashed away in various accounts, uh, according to um, to some sources, he's going to be fine. Don't worry about him. But if he truly is a sociopath who doesn't really care about the suffering of his people, He's going to do what he wants anyways. Yes, there's going to be sanctions. It's going to hurt some of his millionaire and billionaire friends, so he's got to watch them. But I think he's, he's willing to, to take the hit and achieve achieve his objectives. Um, yeah, I don't think sanctions matter to him. Again, like, there's
0: this the, uh, This kind of bugs the fuck out of me when I'm reading m- media coverage. Like, there's a little, this talk about sanctions, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, like... Like, uh, he didn't see this coming. Like, he's uh, he's been under sanctions for years. And by the right. way, have sanctions ever worked? I was lying in bed wondering this last night. When have sanctions worked? I mean, I, the only example I could come up with lying in bed last night was South Africa and apartheid. Uh, and I don't right. know how much of a role the sanctions played in ending apartheid versus just yeah. the... the it the was, apartheid governments ran out of steam. Eventually, they couldn't keep right. it up forever.
1: Yeah,
0: um, but maybe the sanctions played a role—the international um, approbation of apartheid. But yeah. I think, like Cuba, has been under sanctions for seventy years. They don't give a fuck. Iran. I mean, it, no,
1: Iran. Iran.
0: Iran's been under sanctions for the decades. It hasn't hasn't led to right. a change of government there. North Korea has been under sanctions for. 80 years hasn't led to any change of government there like what why do the west think that sanctions matter when when have sanctions really worked apart from just causing pain and suffering for the people who live in these countries because they can't get access to medicines or technology or food or you know oil and gas and whatever it is
1: well, at least with sanctions, we can say we're doing something. And because Americans value the almighty dollar over everything else, to us, that's the worst thing you can do, to, so, in, in, a, in a matter of speaking. So one, yes, it is passive, but we're doing something. Two, we're not going to send our own people in. But to get to your point, and I think it was Barry and Stan that said, sanctions are not punishments. Sanctions are opportunities someone's gonna get rich. And so yeah, stuff gets still gets into Russia and maybe it's through a black market, it's through countries like India and China. Uh, but no, it's not gonna be the end all be all hammer blow that brings anybody down. So, but it's what we can do because I think you know and I know America has no intention of sending troops anywhere where there's a decent chance our guys are going to die. that We just don't do that anymore. We're a different nation than we were in World War II. Um, but it's the best we can do. And so we do it and we talk the hell out of it. We talk it up because it's all we got. Mm. Uh,
0: I, I believe that energy prices uh, in the EU and, and the UK are massively up, um, up 200%. According to Richard right. Sakwa, the university professor at Sheffield, who's an expert on Russian history that I've talked about uh, recently in our episodes, mm-hmm. I saw an interview with him the other day. He said his energy prices in London have go, uh, gone up from 100 pounds a month to 300 pounds a month in recent months. God. That's a, that's a massive- well, At least it's
1: getting warmer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's getting yeah. cooler here. It's actually nice here for a change.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's right.
0: According to Anna Mikulska, who is an energy fellow at Rice University's Baker Institute, she said, Russia has adapted. In response to the sanctions imposed after the annexation of Crimea, many of which remain in effect, she said, we haven't seen Putin say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll pull back. (laughs) Um... Right. You know, May have like, they there's this thing, yeah. again, you read the Western media, and it's like, oh, watch out, Putin, he didn't see this coming. We're putting sanctions on him. Yeah, he sanctions saw this coming. He knew this it. was coming. He yeah. planned for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, sure I don't really did. know how you make your country sanctions proof, but, you know, we've seen him say, okay, well, to uh, the EU now, you want to buy our oil and gas, you need to buy it in rubles. Um, They're not stopping buying Russian oil and gas, really. They're still buying it. They're talking about, oh, Mm. we're going to stop buying it in five years from now. We're not going to buy it anymore. But it's Russia supplies like 40% or something of Europe's energy requirements. They can't just stop Mm. easily. I mean, even if you say we're going to buy it from the US, for example, how the fuck are you going to get it there? How do you how are you going yeah, to get gas to get enough gas to them? You need a you need pipelines and you need pipelines that can yes. get it there quickly and we, they don't have the infrastructure to just stop exactly that take years. Yeah. So yeah. I, this is this is this is not uh, going to be hurting Russia's economy right now, I don't think. But anyway, um, according to Andrew Weiss of the Carnegie Endowment, who mm-hmm. served. Uh, as the senior Russia advisor to Bill Clinton's National Security Council. He said recently, Russia has been hardening its economy for a long time to create space to pursue its foreign policy goals. Putin has showed he's prepared to go to war in Ukraine. I think we have to take him at his word. This is, I think, a quote from just before the invasion. So, like, there's there's a lot of experts saying sanctions aren't really going to um, have much of an effect.
1: Yeah, it's. I guess it's the best we've got, and it's, it's what you do when you're an economically based capitalist country. I don't know. Again, it's, it's all we got. Besides sending them arms, what else are we going to do? Mm. We're not going to go in. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I'm. I'm still convinced that the U.S. Uh, and its allies. Uh, sort of pushed Ukraine into this mm-hmm. deliberately. Uh, you know, right. created, you know, uh, created a coup or supported a coup, whether they engineered the 2014 coup or just uh, you know took an opportunistic uh, view of it. I tend to think it was probably a little bit more engineered, but of course we'll never know. But we know there was a lot of investments in the country, USAID and the usual sorts of um, uh, revol- America's tools for creating um, people's revolutions in countries. Um, mm-hmm. I think that um, the US pushed Ukraine into it and then when Putin finally invaded, the US is like, oh, well, sorry, you know, like, what are we getting... Sorry, right. we can't get involved... Um, we'll, we'll put sanctions on them even though we know yeah. really it's not going to do anything sorry guys yeah. um, my name's Paul and this is between you all <laughs> um, but it, there's a just there's just a ton of opportunity here for the US and its allies to make money Chris Hedges um, wrote this recently uh, talking about American warmongers they are pimps of war puppets of the Pentagon a state within a state and the defence contractors who lavishly fund their think tanks, Project for the New American Century, American Enterprise Institute, Foreign Policy Initiative Institute for the Study of War, Atlantic Council yeah. and Brookings Institution. Historical times stopped for them with the end of World War II. The overthrow of democratically elected governments by the US during the Cold War in Indonesia, Guatemala, the Congo, Iran and Chile where the CIA oversaw Mm. the assassination of the Commander-in-Chief of the Army, General René Schneider, and President Salvador Allende. The Bay of Pigs, the atrocities and war crimes that defined the wars in Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos, and even the disasters they manufactured in the Middle East, have disappeared into the black hole of their collective historical amnesia. American global domination, they claim, is benign, a force for good, benevolent hegemony. The world, Charles Krauthammer insisted, welcomes our power. All enemies from Saddam Hussein to Vladimir Putin are the new Hitler. All US interventions are a fight for freedom that make the world a safer place. All refusals to bomb and occupy another country are a 1938 Munich moment, a pathetic retreat from confronting evil by the new Neville Chamberlain. We do have enemies abroad, but our most dangerous enemy is within.
1: I love that Americans think that the world loves us more than we love ourselves. I love that. How could you not love us? We're, we're the good guys. Come on, look at the white hat. But seriously, we, we think everybody welcomes us with open arms. They just want to be left alone. Everybody just wants to be left alone.
0: Well, look, you know, if, if I was, if my country was being invaded, I mm-hmm. would want somebody to come to my aid. I would want, because I know Australia, Absolutely. Australians, we'd be like, listen, yeah. <laughs> look, I could I could pick up a gun and go and fight, but, you know, look outside, man. The weather's so yeah. fucking great. There's a beach right there.
1: Yeah.
0: And, there's and I just got those, a beer. Those so, fish aren't going to yeah. pull themselves out of the water. So I'll tell you what, listen. They're not. Let's let them take the country as long as they don't get in the way of the fishing and the beach and the footy. But, you know, apart from that, we're good. Everything you know, else. just yeah. uh, They don't uh, really care. The first question most Australians would ask, yeah. If we, if we woke up this morning and we're told Russia was invading Australia, how much vodka are they bringing? Because we're running low. <laughs> Just tell them to bring more vodka. Because seriously. And if
1: they don't, they're in trouble. <laughs> this party
0: yeah. isn't going to f- drink itself.
1: Yeah. Um, Get it started. Well, <laughs> well, you said something a couple of minutes ago. So if America had this plan that we set in motion under, I guess, Obama, I don't know, um, to we don't need to defeat Putin, because it's almost impossible. Unless you can sneak someone in there and kill him, it's not going to happen. But maybe we can create a situation where he breaks international law. We get to do the sanctions thing. We get to go in there and make money. Um, The world's against him. And so the next best thing to removing Putin is trying to neutralize him or keep him weak for a couple of years. So maybe that was the plan. I don't know. But uh, uh, Putin is his own person. He's making his decisions and he's he's moving forward. Uh, with it despite so much,
0: yeah. Like, I, I've said this before, and I, I stick by mm-hmm. this. I think if if you're sitting in the planning rooms, mm-hmm. the US State Department or the Pentagon, you know, and all these think tanks that Chris Hedges mentioned, right at any point in the last 70 years, since the end of World War II, it basically breaks down like this What's our objective? Well, our objective is to control the global economy. You know, we, we mm-hmm. you, you know I I talked I read from Mearsheimer's book a few episodes ago, Fence of Realism, and you know and I, I, I tend to concur with his viewpoint on how major powers work. It's you know this gets back to what we talked about in our Alexander days, right? This is the example I always use. Uh, when Alexander died three twenty three BCE, um, his generals divided up his empire amongst themselves and then spent the Mm -hmm. rest of their lives fighting each other. And then they died and their sons spent their entire lives fighting each other. And that continued until the Romans came along and said, well, we'll just take it all. Thanks very much. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, exactly. It's all ours now. I did not. I did not hit her. I did not. (laughs) Uh, Oh, hi, Ma. I love that. Oh, hi, Ma. Um. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, state department. They're like, yeah, yeah. For the last since the end of World War Two, they're like, listen, we want to control the global. car. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, no. Alexander's generals. They fought each other because they didn't trust each other. Exactly. They didn't trust. They didn't trust the other guys not to attack them, so they had to attack first. Yes. I think, as Mishima says, that's the viewpoint that major powers always have. They just don't they, – they can't get along because they don't trust each other not to attack each other. So they have to attack first. Right. So the U.S.'s goal from day one, and I think this has been the goal of every um, imperial power going right back to Alexander, is to control the world. Because if you control the world, mm-hmm. the world can't attack you, basically. That's what it comes exactly. down to. If you, if you control exactly. – the economies if you control the governments if you if you can put friendly people into positions of power in every government around the world you're you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're as safe as houses right so that's been the right. us's objective since the end of world war 2 and during the cold war they you know were limited with the amount of the world that they could take control of because you know the soviet union was Playing a role in it was a it was a bi, it was a bipolar world right. You had two powers, major powers. Nineteen ninety one comes. Soviet Union's gone. It's going to be weak for a long time. Uh, trying to rebuild. The U.S. obviously at the time thought, oh great, we, we have Russia now because they got Yeltsin into power. Yeah. And and they manufactured. Yeah yeltsins You know, they threw, Clinton threw people and money and all sorts of stuff, propaganda at Yeltsin to help him win his right. second election in particular. The US thought it had Russia and and then it started, you know, figuring out, okay, by the time Clinton came um, around, you know, in the mid uh, to the, in the mid-90s, in the late 90s, they started going, okay, well, how do we take over all of these former um
1: Right. Soviet
0: bloc countries, one by one, we're going to scoop them up, swoop them into our net, which basically means get them buying American products, goods and services, borrowing mm-hmm. money from American-backed lenders for major infrastructure projects, buying buying our products, giving us access to your your economy, your natural resources where we want, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and to do that, you know, you basically get them involved in your military alliance, which is NATO, uh, to make right. sure that if you're making massive investments in these countries that the people mm-hmm. of the countries don't all of a sudden decide to nationalise their loyal interests or whatever it is. You've got to have a strong right. military presence that you have some level of control over in the country. If you're not putting your own boots yeah. on the ground and flags on the ground, you need to have friendly people friendly military alliances inside the country that you can trust. Right. So the U.S. has been doing that since the end of World War II, gradually just gobbling up as many countries as they can, Mm. bringing them into the American uh, system. And this was going to continue forever. You know, if you're you're Vladimir Putin, you've been watching this happen for 25, 30 years. Oh, yeah. You know, you've tried to stop it through diplomatic means. The Americans don't give a fuck. They just tell you to go fuck yourself um, and, you know, when they start engineering or supporting coups in places like Ukraine, that becomes a red line. Um, mm. But from the American strategic perspective, they're like, okay, well, we're going to continue to gobble up all these countries. Now, when they're talking about Ukraine in the last 20 years, they're like, okay, well, right. we're, we're going to try and gobble up Ukraine and bring it into our system. Um, they They mm-hmm. tried, you know, 2004 with the Orange Revolution they got defeated at the polls a few years later and so right. uh, they had to go back in 2014 and, and have another crack at the coup but from there, from there if, if I'm an American strategic planner in the these decades thinking about Ukraine, I'm saying okay well, if everything goes to plan, you know, Russia does nothing, doesn't get involved, they bitch, they moan, they whinge, what the fuck are they going to do right. we just take Ukraine right. um Okay, but plan B is if Russia doesn't sit there and just take it, take it up the arse with no Vaseline, um, and they they invade, it's still good for us because. uh, Absolutely. Yeah, then we can make them a pariah nation. We can um, throw them under endless levels of sanctions. Um, we have this moral authority now. We'll be able to get the EU, the UK... The best. ...to stop buying Russian oil and gas. It might take some Mm -hmm. years for that to play out. It might might take us five or ten years to take over all of that infrastructure or build new infrastructure, but we get it. We get it, we get it, and we'll keep it. Um, Right. Plus, you know, Ukraine's going to want to buy billions of dollars of weapons from us. That's good. Our, our, you know... Lobbyists in the weapons industry are going to be very happy about that. Initially, we're, we're just right. going to sell them old, out-of-date stuff. We'll sell them, give At them first. whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't really matter the yeah. economics yeah. of it. Um, we'll figure out how to make money out of it one way or the other. But we're going to give exactly. them all the, all the outdated stuff that we can get rid of. No one else wants to buy it, but if they're desperate, they'll buy it. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then we'll get our allies in... Europe and the Middle East to sell them stuff, more Soviet-era stuff that they need, but then they're going to have to replace their stuff so they'll get new stuff from us, the, the, the European right. and Middle Eastern allies that are supporting them. So, we you know, we get a, more sales from those guys, which is great, and Ukraine's going to get destroyed. It's going to be a war. It could go on for many years. We don't give a fuck. Not our people nope. dying over there. But when it's over, eventually it'll be over. One
1: day, son.
0: This war is going to end.
1: Yes. Everybody's weak, but not us.
0: And then we're going to have to rebuild the country. They're going to need us to rebuild it. Cha-ching. Okay, so who's going to rebuild it? We're going to rebuild it. Where are they going to get the money from? Where are they going to have to borrow it from the IMF and the World Bank, which is really us? So they're going to have to borrow trillions of dollars, which they'll never pay back, Mm -hmm. which, you know, when they default on that, then we'll take over... Major chunks of their in, in, yeah. industry and infrastructure, and we got we them, got, it, got them by the balls. It's the, it's a mafia play yes. right? Oh, I yeah, see. Uh, a
1: very large stage. Your
0: restaurant caught fire. Uh, uh, <laughs> Just, hey, I see your restaurant did uh, <laughs> caught fire last night. I, that's, a,
1: what's, that's a shame. What's
0: this ash on my my jacket? I don't know. I, I had a big cigar last night. What are you gonna yeah. do? But I see your place. But then you probably need to borrow some money to rebuild your restaurant. I tell you what, yeah. my friend, I can loan you some and money. You think- I give it to you. Yeah. The rates, don't worry about the rates. We'll talk yeah. about the rates, so, the fig we'll just, talk about the VIG later. Don't you worry about the fig.
1: Just shake my hand. Hey, now. it's an don't emergency about, situation.
0: Yeah. You need the money right. right now. Don't worry about the terms. The times. Don't me. worry about the times. Exactly. We'll, right.
1: we'll get to the we
0: get to the times later.
1: Toimes, toimes, toimes. Don't yeah. worry about toys toimes. toimes come later. Toying, toy, 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 toy. Toy after toy. Now, the great irony of that brilliant speech that you just gave, and you're right, America likes to play kingmaker, we like to bring people down, we like to make money, we like to think seven steps ahead, and either way, whether it's war or reconstruction or whatever, we're going to make some money. Here's the great irony. America is going to tear itself apart. Uh, We're either going to have a civil war or the Republicans are going to take over and it's going to be a handmaid's tale and we're going to fall apart. So... Great planning by the State Department or the generals or whoever, but they need to look at the domestic side as well because it's getting shit scary over here. Just real quick, just 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 to break up the, the Ukraine tension. I talked to a relative in South Carolina and they're hoarding, they're buying a bunch of food from Patriot.com because they've been told that pretty soon food's gonna run out. There isn't gonna be any. And so they are stocking up on tons of beans. And I'm just sitting on the phone going, What what? You you your store. Where are you storing? For it? Anyway, so the shit that the, the my relatives who are conservative believe from Fox News is that it's all about to end anyway. So hopefully we do get a lot of money out of the Ukraine or Russia because it sounds like we're going to need it. But that was my little digression. I apologize, but that just came into my head. Uh, you can make long term plans for your adversaries to bring them low, but you still need to be standing yourself in order to take advantage of it.
0: Oh, the rich people Where's in America. America are, be? The, the, oh, the rich people. Be they'll be fine. Yeah.
1: they can afford all the beans they it's want. Not, it's
0: not, it's not poor Americans that are plotting all this stuff out, Ray. It's rich Americans. That'll be fine. Don't worry about that. No,
1: but but the but the poor people are getting angry. and They have guns and they have beans
0: now. The rich people have you armies. You know,
1: <laughs> that's true. Yeah, come at, a lot more beans. Come at me with your guns.
0: I yeah, you bring your gun. I'll bring my <laughs> rocket launcher. I'll bring my tanks. See how you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I did a thing Sorry. the other day, Ray. I did a quick study on how the MSM, the mm. mainstream media, is portraying the idea of NATO expansion being responsible, at least in part, for oh, the war. Right. I wanted to do a little bit of a scientific uh, analysis or study. I only took two papers. I took the New York Times and I took the Guardian. Um, right. The uh, Guardian, you know, British, sort of lefty, supposedly, but not really lefty. This sort right. of mainstream, right. uh, centrist. centrist. Uh, I took the New York Times, which, again, yeah, the, everyone listening to this knows what I think of the New York Times, but, <laughs> but I read it anyway. I read it all. I read everything. Uh, because, sure. God's uh, too. So here was my yeah. process. I searched their sites for stories that have come out in the last month. Right. And this is like a week ago I did this, that mentioned NATO expansion uh, and then I rated the stories like this. If mm. the story was positive towards NATO expansion being a good thing, either actively right. uh, arguing against uh, Russia's claim that the invasion has to do with NATO expansion um, mm-hmm. or mentions NATO expansion without comment, but in an otherwise anti-Russian article, then I rated that story a pro. It's Mm pro-NATO expansion. If it mentioned NATO expansion but was a neutral article, I didn't get a sense that the article was positive or negative about NATO expansion having anything to do with the war, then I rated it neutral. If the article was... uh, supporting the position that NATO expansion played a role, not the only role, but a role in uh, the Russian invasion, then I gave I, I gave the article a con. It's a, against uh, NATO expansion.
1: Okay. Good standards. Um,
0: or if it mentions NATO expansion in an article that takes a pro-Russian stance, okay, then I'll give it a mm-hmm. con. Now, what I expected to find was a large percentage of the stories would take a pro stance. Yeah. Um, NATO expansion's a good thing. Nothing to see here. Move along. Don't believe anybody who tells you any different. Here's what I found. Right. Uh, The Guardian, I found six stories in the previous month. Two were pro, so positive Mm -hmm. about NATO expansion being a good thing. Mm. Three were neutral and one was cold. Right. Okay. So more neutral than either of the others, but twice as many pro stories as con stories. But I did actually find a, a single con story in The Guardian, which is interesting. Right. New York Times, I found seven stories. Three were pro, mm-hmm. so positive about NATO expansion. Four were right. neutral, so they mentioned it, but there didn't seem to be a, a bias in the article wow. either way. Right. And zero were con. So mostly pro, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but, you know, quite a lot of neutral stories being um, given air time in both of those as well. So, yeah. you know, in terms of a media coverage strategy, um, I don't know how that plays out. Like, it does seem to me that those media outlets are pushing a, you know, the uh, uh, slightly pro-agenda. Like, I didn't find a single article in the New York Times in the previous month that was accusing NATO expansion of of playing a cause in the invasion. And just think about that for a moment. Like, the paper of record, the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Not a single article in that previous month. Seven articles, not a single one of them said, you know what, NATO expansion may have played a role in um, this invasion.
1: Right. Well, if they want to get more interviews from the White House or whatever, the Pentagon, they better keep their mouth shut, or they might find themselves persona non grata as far as getting stories or quotes in the future if you piss off the people that are in power.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I would encourage everyone listening to do your own experiments with this and shoot me the results. Like, mm. come up with uh, like a framework for analysing uh, coverage of the story in some way, shape or form, and just spend yeah. half an hour or an hour running an analysis on it and shoot us the results. I'd, I'd be interested yeah. to know I- what you find.
1: Just real quick, if I'm a New York Times reporter, writer, and I want to, for lack of a better word, appear neutral or appear above it all, I don't have to bash, I don't have to say, or I'm, I'm smart enough not to bring up NATO um, with, with any feelings as opposed to just facts, whatever. And you've made this point before, there's enough people going around saying NATO is the end-all, be-all, the savior that we need. And so maybe they don't have to push it because there's plenty of other people uh, who are peddling the story that joining NATO NATO is nothing but a good thing for Sweden, for Finland, um, and whoever else might join. So um, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there putting their stories out, and sometimes you don't have to say it all because someone else is saying it.
0: Getting back to that story about Finland and Sweden yeah. too. Again, if I'm sitting yeah. in the Kremlin three months ago planning this thing out I'm thinking about, okay, well, right. what what's going to happen if we push the button and we invade? Um, yeah. The idea that other countries would push to join NATO would be one of the things that you would have foreseen as... Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, so again, exactly. the fact that, uh-oh, Putin didn't see this coming, now he's really in trouble. I'm like, Really? Are you fucking serious? Right. He didn't see this coming no, because if, I, I've got a yeah. I've got a pet earthworm that saw this thing <laughs> saw that coming. So you're really saying uh, that Putin's uh, not as smart as an earthworm?
1: No, but let me play devil devil's advocate for a second. Let's say. Putin hires Stan and Barry and there's a whiteboard there and there they've got their ties undone and there's a little white powder under the nose. Don't worry about that. But they list all the things that they're predicting for Putin. And one of them is several countries might either join NATO or seriously talk about NATO, whatever. So there's some joining the NATO. There's people giving money to Ukraine. There's people giving weapons. The world's coming together. There's sanctions out at the wazoo you can predict all that stuff all you want, but it's still a hell of a way for a country to have to suffer through with all those things lined up against you just because you predict it and just because you know it's already coming doesn't, I think, make it any easier to, to, to get through that. So I'm sure Putin thought all this through. and um, But it's still got to be hard for some of the people in Russia. Does this, you know, between the sanctions and now there's attacks from Ukraine into russia there was actually one today or was it yesterday so uh you can predict all you want and you can be as accurate all you want but you're still going to be putting your country in a very difficult situation or at least that's how it appears to me i could be wrong but it seems like this is not a walk in the park and is it worth it that's what i would be asking myself obviously putin has said yes
0: yeah Yeah, no, I agree with you that all of these things are going to make life difficult for Russia and Russians and Putin to an Mm -hmm. extent uh, in terms of political pressure at home. But he must have known all of these things were likely to happen. Like the the, the coverage of it in the media is, oh, he didn't see this coming. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, and I'm pretty sure he, he, you know, thinks it's worth the price and, um, that he has a plan for it at some point. I'm not accusing him of playing 4D chess or anything like that, but again, this right, right, like he didn't wake up, he thought it out, he didn't wake up one morning and go, fuck, I'm bored, let's invade Ukraine. Like, he's been planning this, you would have to think, since Mm -hmm. 2008, you know, when he took Georgia, like he's. This is not he this is not a, something that he just cooked up overnight. Uh, right. He's been Long time thinking counting. about this, planning this with his guys yeah. for yeah. at least you know 14 years.
1: Yeah. I will say this real quick uh, to, not to counter that but just the other side of that uh, history has shown that war is the equivalent of Pandora's box. Once it's going and you're out literally killing each other You really don't get to control the narrative. You can do the best you can, um, but these things have a way of taking on a life of their own and heroes emerge and whatever. And so we will see what happens. But uh, war is one of the biggest gambles that you could possibly take. But again, he has sat down. He's probably crunched the numbers. He's talked to people. He's gone off his experience and he pushed the go button. We'll have to wait and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Zelensky gave a press conference over the weekend uh, where he said, Mm. I want to stop the war and end it. There is a diplomatic path and a military one. Any healthy person Mm. chooses the diplomatic path because he knows that even if it is difficult, it can prevent the loss of millions of people. Now, he's also, you know, begging the US and the West in general to send more guns um, but, you know, In you real. would think that if he yeah. really wanted to pursue the diplomatic path uh, and that he really wants to stop the war and save the lives of people, mm-hmm. you know, he'd be, he would be agreeing to Russia's terms and uh, ending the war fast rather than trying to stretch it out. So on one hand, he says he wants to end it. On the other hand, he's trying to stretch it out. So I'm not exactly sure what game Zelensky's right. playing either.
1: Well, there's two points, and you've already made one point. One is that they don't the two sides don't trust each other. And when you don't trust each other, all talk is nothing more than bullshit positioning and, and negotiation. So they don't trust each other. Um if Zelensky was to go, you know what? I care too much about the Ukrainian people. I'm ordering my troops to stand down. We will figure out a diplomatic or whatever way to do this. Someone, because blood has already been drawn, someone on his own side might kill him. So... I think they're both in it uh, for the long haul. Hopefully they can start talking to each other. But today, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, and the Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin, went to the Ukraine. They promised another $700 million, and I'm sure there's a lot more than that that's coming uh, in arms. So this is only ramping up. It, it would take both sides coming to the table, and I just have a hard time seeing that, coming to the table in good faith, and I have a hard time seeing that happening. hmm
0: Yeah, news overnight was uh, the US, uh, Blinken, is over there with Zelensky, offered more money, Mm -hmm. more weapons. Uh, The total amount of American military assistance to Ukraine given since the invasion alone is $3.7 billion. (sighs) It's a
1: lot of fucking money.
0: But again, what you don't hear being talked about in the media with all of this kind of stuff, when you say, well, you donated this, donated that, given that, given that, is really the economics of what's going on here. Yes. Now, I I don't profess to know because I I haven't been able to find a story that, that talks about the technical details. But based on everything that we've learned before, in the past about these sorts of deals, Mm -hmm. this is how I think it goes down. What does it mean that America has given $3.7 billion in military assistance to Ukraine? Here's what I think it means. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that the White House has provided $3.7 billion of some sort of credit to Ukraine on some sort of terms... Now, to to get access to weapons, either directly from U.S. suppliers, manufacturers Mm -hmm. or the Pentagon, or from America's allies, and America is then fixing up the allies or doing some sort of a deal with the allies to get access to them. So there are two scenarios here. One is that the money is just the credit, if you, if you will, it was just given to Ukraine like grain without any strings attached.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm. But we know that's not the American way. There are always strings attached right. when you right. give this stuff. We know that in the Marshall Plan days there were strings attached. Whenever we hear yeah. talk about aid to any country, there are always strings attached. When you look at the fine print. Yes. Um, I remember when... Australia Australia's military got involved. Oh, thank you, buddy.
1: Why aren't you at school? It's ten past nine. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> He's out of school. Thank you. I'm done with it, Dad. School's slowing me down. I ain't got time for school. Punks go to school. That's what he would probably what he said. Um So they're strings.
0: There are strings. We know with the Marshall Plan there are strings attached. Um, the way it normally, oh, that's what I was going to say. I remember when yeah Australia got involved in helping East Timor during their sort of fight for independence 15, 20 years ago. You know, it was right. like, oh, we're giving them this military aid and we're getting involved and we're supporting them and we're doing this thing and we're White yeah. Hats. came out afterwards <laughs> that... Part of the uh, the discussions at the time were: we can support you. Yes. What we need from you is when you win government, when you win independence, you know that that uh, offshore oil site that you've discovery that you've got or gas, I think it was. Yeah. We're taking that. All right. And you're a revolutionary um, army. You're like, yeah, fuck it, take it. I mean, I don't care. I'm fighting for my life. Just give me the guts. Give me the guts. You want the oil? You want the gas? Exactly. You want to fuck my wife? Here and now. Take it. I don't care. Right now, (laughs) I need the guts. We'll we'll worry about tomorrow's problems tomorrow. Just give me the guts. Exactly. And so that's the way I think these things tend to go down, is there's always some strings. Yeah. But even if there's not in this case, even if it is truly uh, just an act of generosity here, take the weapons, you never have to pay us back. You don't need to give us access to stuff. Keeping in mind, too, that, the Ukrainian government has already been installed by the Americans. This is a Mm. pro-American government that was installed, has been supported with billions of dollars before the invasion by America in the last um, eight years. Um, Even if it is, though, given uh, uh, freely, what's happening is where's that money coming from? Well, it comes from the U.S., Treasury. Where does the U.S. Treasury get mm-hmm. the money from? They get it from taxpayers. Where's the money going? Yeah. Well, it's it, 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 it's go. It's not going to Ukraine. It's going to American weapons manufacturers. Mm. The money mm-hmm. when when you give a line of credit to Ukraine to get weapons. Um. Somebody is getting paid for those weapons. Like the American weapons yes. manufacturers aren't going. Oh, sure. Here, take billions of dollars of weapons. It's on us. It's great. Don't yeah. worry about it. Take it. We
1: got a good heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're exactly. doing it out of the
0: goodness of our heart. we look. We may make missiles for a living, but really deep down, right? We're, we're yeah, people. We're people too. We're a people we love.
1: Company. We love. Yeah. cat yeah.
0: videos on TikTok as much <laughs> as anyone.
1: Like, <laughs> Happy Easter. Here's some missiles. You know, Cute panda yeah.
0: videos. We're all across that shit. Don't don't you worry about that. Like we hate the <laughs> fact that we have to make gu- guns and missiles and bombs for a living. Like it oh, depresses
1: us. We're really just killing me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, we're killing other people. Uh, it kills me right. that we kill other people with our work. Right. No, it, they're not. They're not providing yeah. the charity. These corporations. They're they're expecting money from the U.S. government. So yes. it's a massive transfer of wealth. These situations from the American people. They're giving their money via taxation to the government with the yeah. expectation that it will be spent on roads and police and hospitals and right. schools and, uh, you know, infrastructure to make the country yeah. better and, and, and to provide better standards, standard of living for Americans, where instead it's yeah. just going to American corporations. Now, American right, people yeah. work for American yeah. corporations and some of that money will trickle down to the workers, and, and those wo- workers yeah, will spend it in the economy, and you know it'll it will fold back into the U.S. economy, but a lot of it will stay in the bonuses of the exactly. uh,
1: stock options, yeah. bonuses, yeah, yeah. The
0: executives, the owners of these businesses, uh, will keep a lot right. of it. Um, so it, it really is just a transfer of wealth from American taxpayers uh, to American elites. And then, as I said earlier, that's not just the only profit here. Then you've got, oh, oh, now we have an opportunity for American companies and their allies uh, uh, and partners in the EU and the Middle East to sell more gas, more oil to the Mm -hmm. EU uh, and to Ukraine and take large chunks of what was previously Russian profit now becomes ostensibly American and their ally profit. And then, of course, yeah. as I said earlier, when the war is destroyed, uh, Ukraine, uh, somebody is going to have to go rebuild it. And again, there's another bite of the apple here for America uh, and exactly. their allies in the rebuilding. This is where uh, uh, Dick Cheney's old um, business company gets involved. Yeah. Um, what's yes.
1: the name? What's the name of that outfit? It begins with an oh, H. God. Halliburton. Uh, I was going to buy some stock at Halliburton. I was going to buy some stock in Raytheon, but maybe I should do Halliburton and Raytheon and sell my Netflix stock.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much the Halliburton business model. It's like, you know, get the U.S. government to go blow up a country and then we go rebuild it. Um, So they
1: make money coming and going. Yeah. That is a brilliant it's business a,
0: model. It's a brilliant business model. It really is. Yes. And
1: of course, again... Stan and
0: like When they're rebuilding, it'll be another round of aid. Oh, we've got to give aid yeah. to the Ukrainian people to help them oh, rebuild. Billions who, of dollars of wouldn't aid. wouldn't want to donate Open your to
1: rebuild their... Yes, your wallets, but your hearts too. They don't have a home. And that, they don't have an apartment. They don't have a park. And yeah. a large
0: chunk of that money will, again just end up in the pockets of the American businesses and American business elite and the stockholders and all those sorts of things. Because the, when they're yeah. rebuilding, that money, again, will go from the taxpayers to the treasury, from the treasury to Halliburton, yes. and go go rebuild. So exactly. it, it's very hard. Like It's very hard for me to believe that American strategic planners don't understand how they make money in these sorts of conflict situations. Mm-hmm. And... If you understand how you make money in conflict situations, because you've been doing it since World War II, not right. to try and engineer more situations for that to happen. and Oh, there's an idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've so you got to know that the – you've got to believe – I've got to believe that the, the, the lobbyists for the military industrial complex are pushing for these things to happen because it's, it's mm-hmm. good times when they can figure one out. And the longer it goes right. on, the
1: better – Absolutely. There's a balance. Absolutely.
0: I mean, you, you, yeah. you, you don't want it to be a quagmire necessarily, but if you can right. keep it going where there's destruction and rebuilding and destruction and rebuilding, oh, you don't want to have to wait best. for the rebuilding for 20 years because you, you, the rebuilding guys you. want to get their money too. So you want to... <laughs> there needs to be a, a, just a <laughs> nicely timed window of destruction. Okay, Bob, you right. get to make all the money out of the destruction. Dick, you get to make it in the rebuild. Um right. so everyone gets a bite at it, you know. And then yeah. Barry and Stan get to make it on the energy supply long term. So there's something exactly. in it for everybody, everyone benefits except the Ukrainians. They're fucked. Right. But, they're screwed. You know, they're not really Americans, yeah. so it doesn't really matter.
1: So what I hear you saying is that Rome was able to turn war into a business. And obviously, we and other nations have learned from Rome very well. It's a money-making venture. Yeah, but the, the, the difference between Rome and the U.S. is when Rome,
0: you needed to fight a war, they would go and have to yeah. fight it. You'd have to send your troops to yeah. Parthia. America right. doesn't have to do that these days very often.
1: We outsource it. Yeah. 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 Like, ha- Have my people handle <clears throat> that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. having to put boots on the ground, I think, for most American administrations is um, it's just Asthma. messy. Uh, it's yes. not that they really care about American soldiers dying on battlefields, but it's, it's just a whole other thing you've got to deal with, with the media and elections Bad and optics. that kind of stuff. Bad optics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you can engineer a situation where other people will die for you... Oh, golden. Yeah. If we can, If we golden. can get everything we want which is this wealth transfer from the taxpayers to the elite. And we don't actually have to deal with American soldiers dying in the media every day. Um, Best of all, best of both worlds. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yes, exactly.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. uh, Well, that's pretty much all I had to talk about. I mean, again, I just get frustrated every day. Um, I try and find more media sources that can give me some sort of a holistic, balanced, intelligent perspective of what's going on. And there's really slim pickings. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the grey zone and there's Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and Caitlin Johnson, Chomsky in his Mm. interviews of late – uh, Scheimer, Richard Sackwa, Scott Ritter, the the um, Russian guys who do the Russians with Attitude podcast. Have you listened to that yet?
1: No, I'd like check to check that, that out. No. It's
0: very good. It's two Russian. I think they're ex-military. Um, mm-hmm. They've been banned from a number of Western, like I think they were blocked oh. banned from YouTube. But they do a they do a they're, they're in Russia. They take a. I I don't think it's a pro-Russian perspective. I think it's a fairly balanced perspective. They're very critical of Putin. They're somewhat critical Mm. of the way the war has gone on and the Russian performance. So it doesn't sound like a Russian propaganda channel. It's not like reading RT or anything like that. It's um, a lot more critical of Putin and Russia's performance. But, but, you know, at the same time critical of the uh, over-the-top pro-Ukrainian narratives that are going on in the Western media as well. So check that out if you're yeah. looking for some good commentary. Russians with Attitude podcast. I've been enjoying I like that. But generally Whoops. speaking, just to wrap up, the media coverage yeah. in the last 60 days has not improved in the West. It's still yeah. just wall-to-wall propaganda. Um, very, very on one hand disappointing on the other hand not surprising because I've seen this happen you know my entire life in these sorts of situations but just but it is surprising that it still happens that we haven't learned from this that the media is still just jumping in tits and all um, like they did with the Iraq invasion and the Afghanistan invasion and you know fucking you know the fucking you name it you know uh, supporting (laughs) Venezuela's uh <laughs> opposition bloody 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 blah.
1: Yeah. I know that church attendance in America is down by the latest polls. It would be nice if the major news outlets also started suffering a loss of viewership, but a war? No. They're they're probably going to be just fine. People are going to Oh, they love it. Check in to see. War's yes, are great for exactly. the media. Yeah, yeah. Media yes. loves a good war. I support my government and I make money through my story. So, win-win yeah. for the news media.
0: My viewership goes up, which means I can sell more advertising or sell the same amount of advertising at higher rates because my viewership numbers have gone um, up. So, yeah, wars should, are, uh, wars and pandemics. Big business. And, uh, you know, Trump yeah. elections, all that kind of stuff. is all good,
1: typically good for the media. When we get together out West, we should have a fake fight Blow up our numbers, get mm. a lot of attention. Boxing you match. know, two podcasters, boxing match, and the bottom of the Grand Canyon, or that's on the edge. Fuck, it doesn't we're matter. We're bait. gonna <laughs> exactly. It won't be much of a fight, but there'll be some intense innuendos. Yeah, I think is as far as I'll be able to go. But anyway, but yeah, no, you create conflict because it draws people in.
0: Yeah. All right, that's the bullshit filter for this month. Um, we'll be back if. I figure out something else to talk about. Have a good week, buddy. Sounds good.
1: You too. Bullshit is everywhere. Um. Uh, bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. Bullshit. This makes
0: no fucking
1: sense. it's just bullshit. Fuck. Bullshit is bullshit.